So let's get into God's Word this morning. James chapter 4. We've been in this passage here for a bit. We're going to be in it, the Lord willing, for the next few weeks. And I want to start by reading the text again, setting this up, talk about what we looked at the last few weeks, and then get into uh, really what we're going to spend the most of our time on this morning there in verse 8, where it says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So let's start by reading our text here. We want to read James 4, 4 down through verse 10. It says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scriptures is in vain? The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. So many things we've looked at here, and I think it's important for us to recap some of them and lay a little more foundation for what we're going to look at today. Really, we see here, you know what, as this is addressing the church, and, and, and you know what, it's so huge when it says, when we want to be friends of the world. We make ourselves enemies of God. And we talked about that. This is not talking about, it's not talking about befriending your neighbor. It's not talking about, you know what, going out and interacting with people who don't know the Lord. We're called to do that. We're called to be salt and we're called to be light. We are not called to the hermit ministry where we just go and hide in a cave somewhere. We absolutely are called to the prayer closet ministry, amen, but not to the hermit ministry. I mean, to be salt and light you have to let your light shine before men. That's not what this is speaking about. And that's important that we know that. When it's talking about wanting to be friends of the world, it's talking about the believer, the person who has put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, really not wanting to fully walk under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not wanting to fully walk under the instruction of Scripture and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but wanting to be friends of or fond of the thinking of the world the ways of the world, doctrines of demons, the philosophies of men, wanting to make provision for sin willfully versus being in that place where you're at war with those things. And it's real clear, we've talked about it. Listen, we are either at war with the flesh that we read in the Scripture, wars against our souls, or we're in a place where, yes, even as Christians, we can be at war with God. Because remember, this text here is not written to unbelievers. This is written to the church. God's word is God's love letter to his church. Again, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses. To commit adultery, it means you have to first be in covenant with somebody. A man and woman enter into holy matrimony. If one in that covenant lies with another, they are an adulterer. If there's someone that is not in a marriage covenant, and they lie with another, that is a fornicator. And by the way, the scripture says, the marriage bed should be honored among all the fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Those things are sinful. And we shouldn't really have to say that. That should be known. But unfortunately, in this culture that we're living in today, you can't say that enough because there is such a raging rebellion against God's truth and God's standard of marriage and sexuality as God has created it 
a man and a woman in holy matrimony. But the Lord takes that truth and He makes a spiritual application for us. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, so let me ask you, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Can you say amen to that? You entered into a covenant with God through Jesus Christ shed blood. And we've talked about it throughout this text, and we talk about it oftentimes because it's so good. God is faithful to us. God is not a cheating spouse, so to speak. Isn't that good news? He's faithful when we are faithless. But this is talking to the church. This is talking to individuals who put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they drift from that relationship. They come to a place, again, not being at war with the flesh, but wanting to make provision for it. They become friends of the world. They want that. They desire that. They want to walk in rebellion against the Lord's word. They want to walk into a place where they take a little bit of the word and a little bit of the world and you mix it together and pretty much what you get out of that is modern day Christianity. You get Laodicean church. And again, as we talk about that, it's not just the Laodicean out church out there Listen, there's so much of Laodicea right in our own midst that we got to deal with, that we deal with daily. You know, the desire of the flesh, again, to want to be approved by man versus wanting to walk in the Spirit, knowing really all that really matters is God's opinion and God's standard on things. And so when we're in that place of wanting to be friends of the world, committing spiritual adultery, the Bible makes it very clear We make ourselves enemies of God. Notice, he makes himself an enemy of God. That's a choice someone makes. That when we're in that place, God is opposed to us. That's a place of pride. It's a prideful thing to say, listen, I'm going to take the philosophies of man and mix them with God's word, and I'm going to get a better truth than the truth of the scripture. That's rebellion. And God is opposed to it. Now, again, We do see God's grace to us even in that and Him opposing us as believers when we want to be friends with the world because remember it says, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Again, that's talking about the church. The spirit of God does not dwell in unbelievers. The spirit of God came to dwell in you when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He yearns for you jealously because we're in covenant with Him. It's just like a man and a woman when they entered a holy matrimony. If that spouse is being wayward and so forth, there should be a jealousy for that spouse that is upright and godly. We're not talking about a petty jealousy here, but we're talking about the God who made us, who knows he has life for us. And when we begin to wander from it, instead of him going, oh, well, good luck out there in his love for us, he longs for us. So he opposes us in our rebellion to chastise us, to bring us back to that place of being near to him to even have more grace heaped out upon a humble heart. That's how good our God is. And listen, this passage is so huge. Listen, as we read here in verse 6, I mean, let's consider it once again. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't want to walk in a place of opposition against God. The breath that you just took is a gift from God. The beat of your heart is a gift from God. The thought that you're thinking right now, the ability to be able to think that, I'm not going to say the thought's necessary from God because we got to take our thoughts captive, right? 
but the ability to think is from the Lord. The grace that saves us is from God. Listen, outside of his grace, we don't have salvation. We don't have life. We don't have anything. This isn't a small matter. And listen, pride so easily flows from us. Not my opinion. The words of Jesus that we've looked at three, four weeks in a row, I'm going to read them again, Mark 7, 20. And Jesus said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed. The Lord says, these things proceed out of the heart of men. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy. And what do we find there? Pride, foolishness. All these things come out, come from within and defile a man. The Lord says, these things proceed from us. It doesn't say they trickle out, they proceed. We have a prideful sin nature, and we need to be aware of that and know that. When we embrace that and we walk in that, God says, I'm opposed to it. But he still gives us grace because, again, in his opposition, he chastises us. Because he wants us to be in a place of humility. When we are humble, he is big in our eyes and we are small in our eyes. When we are pride, full of pride, we're big in our eyes and he's small in our eyes. And again, this is where so many people in the rebellion say, well, who's God to be big that I have to be small? Listen, we were dirt that God breathed life into, rebelled, and he sent his son to die for. He is God who made this all, sustains it all, and holds it all in his hands. We are not on equal ground here, amen? He is God, and we are not. Boy, that's a truth that needs to go worldwide. When we reject that and say, no, I'm God, it's dirt trying to deify itself. How ridiculous is that? And so it's a huge thing. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And again, that grace is so good. It's his grace that saved us when we were in rebellion. Grace, unmerited favor. Grace, it's a gift that's not deserved. In our rebellion, we were damned to hell, rightfully so, because God told man, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And man ate of that tree, tree saying, I'll be my own, God, my own God, basically said, up yours, God. Brought death into this world. Again, people run around and grapple. They think it's such a deep question. Why is there death in the world? Because man sinned. Why is there war in the world? Because man sinned. Why do people get hurt? Because man sinned. God created us with a free will. You can't have a real relationship unless there's some free will involved. You want your best friend to be the chair you're sitting on there? It's not a real friend there. And so in our rebellion, he laid down his life to give us grace to save us, but that's not where it stops. His grace is his divine influence upon us. And when we humble our hearts before him, we welcome that divine influence that we could walk in the empowerment and the strength of the Holy Spirit, bearing fruits to his glory and his honor and his praise. And we need more of that today. So with that said, listen, the therefore, again, in verse 7, is huge. It's a big deal. I want more grace. I do not want the Lord opposing me, chastising me. Did any of you get chastised growing up? Did you enjoy that? 
Now listen, if it was done in a loving manner, that was grace given to you. That was love. That was your parents trying to correct you to keep you from greater harm. And certainly men don't always do that in a perfect manner, but God does. But the woodshed is not a good place to be. But grace is so wonderful and awesome. I want to abound it and grow in it. So that therefore is the instruction to walk in, to walk in humility versus walking in opposition of God. And we saw two weeks ago, it starts with, therefore, submit to God. Submitting to God, submitting to the word of God, God honors his word above his own name. There's some people running around saying they submit to God, but they don't submit the word of God. If you're not submitted to the word of God, you are not submitted to the God of the word, period. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a rebellious chip against the word of God? When it's opened up and it's taught, verse by verse, line upon line, writing rightly divided, do you sit there with a grudge against it? There's many people who do today. Not my opinion. The scripture says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears itched and tickled. They're going to heap up these teachers that don't honor God's word, that mix in heresies, that appeals to the flesh, and it says many will follow them. That's a rebellion against God and his word. The word submit, it's a military term. It means to get in your proper rank. Again, we looked at Psalm 99.2. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the peoples. So if you're confused on where you rank, he's way up here, and we're here. We ain't even close. He's God, and we are not. And if you're in the place, well, I'm super Christian, you're not that either. Especially if you think that. Listen, the only thing that saves us is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that separates us from those that are lost is His grace, period. So we need to submit to Him. We need to submit to His Lordship. We need to be submitted to the Word of God. And then we need to be submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. As he ministers to our heart, always in accordance to the word of God. Let me ask you, are you submitted to him? When God presses you to go, do you go? When the Lord impresses someone on your heart to pray for, do you pray for them? When you open the bulletin and it says, we need help with someone running the projector in the second service, and the Lord just kind of tugs, that should be you. Do you say, I'm going to do that? Or like, no, no, I'm... I don't want to do that. Someone's like, that's a prophetic word for me. I don't know, maybe it is. (laughs) But someone that's submitted says, yes, Lord. And that takes a step of faith, doesn't it? I don't know how this is going to work out, but yes, Lord. But let me ask you, has the Lord let you down yet? If you say he has, well, listen, this is the fact that you're here and you have breath in your lungs means that he hasn't. The sun came up today. His mercies are new every morning. And if you're saying, but I deserve more, we don't deserve anything. But in His grace and His mercy, He's been long-suffering and gracious and generous 
and even laid down his own life for us. That's how good he is. We got to submit to him. And then last week we saw resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now again, that old line, the devil made me do it, you're not going to find that. Well, you're going to find that in the scripture, but you're not going to see God validating that. Because again, when man sinned, Eve tried that, right? It's that serpent. And the Lord said, oh, the serpent made you do that? Okay, you're fine. No. And then Adam took it in a, another step. It's the woman who you made. I'll blame God. That didn't fly either. We know we have a sinful nature, but absolutely the enemy comes in and he tempts. And he is our adversary. And the scripture says in 1 John that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Have you seen and found out the temptation abounds? <laughs> Boy, it's all over, is it not? The temptation to sin, the temptation to rebel. Not only is it all out there, again, it, 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 as Jesus said, it proceeds from us. The flesh, the thinking of the world, the enemy of our soul. And listen, if you're not going to come to a place of saying, I'm going to resist and put up a fight, you're going to be mincemeat. We're called soldiers in the scripture. I know it's easy at times to say, I don't want to be a soldier. You ever be in that place? But we're called to resist. This word in the Greek, it means to struggle against. Let me ask you, are you struggling against the flesh and the philosophies of fallen man and the enemy, or do you just give in to it? Because as we talked about in this, we're either at war with those things or we're at war with God. We're not talking about, you know what, a, 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 this, this pristine life where there's never failure. Listen, we're going to have failure at times until we go to be with them. The Apostle Paul said, wretched man that I am, I do the very thing that I hate. But aren't you glad he tacked on? Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. But is there a resistance? It means to struggle against, to withstand. Try to prevent with action or argument. And again, our argument's the word of God. That's what Jesus stood in. Succeeding in ignoring the attraction. We talked about a couple young men, Joseph and Daniel, who very easily could have said, it's not fair what's happened to me. Daniel, who was taken into captivity as a young man, probably had his whole future kind of planned out. The Babylonians come in, they take him into captivity, he's a gifted individual, so they said, let's take the gifted ones and we'll indoctrinate them and then they will lead the rest, you know what, into our Babylonian ways. And before Daniel even stepped foot in that palace, he determined in his heart not to partake of the king's table, the delicacies or the wine that were against the Levitical law beforehand. He said, I will not do that. He was resisting the enemy. Same with Joseph. But you talk about someone who could argue, I got a bad deal sold into slavery by his brothers. A young man, handsome in form of appearance, and Potiphar's wife daily tried to tempt him to get him to lie with her. And what did he say? Why should I sin against my God? Those are pictures of resisting. Being in a place where you are predetermined, I'm not going to give in to those things. And let me tell you, if there are certain sins that you're like, well, we'll see what happens if the temptation comes up. 
you're not resisting and the odds are you're going to give in when the temptation comes up. Every man in this room who says Jesus Christ is their Lord should be in a place right now where they say if there's a temptation that comes up to look at pornography on my computer, I am not going to give in to that. Can the men here say amen to that? I'm not going to give in to it. Now, have there been Christian men who have given in? Yeah. But does not the scripture say a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again? There's a difference between war, warring with that saying, I'm not going to give in. Perhaps stumbling and asking God, okay, Lord, wash my feet of this versus, you know, we'll see how the afternoon plays out. Or in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I kind of know how to get to that website. Oh, it's an accident when it's not. That's not resisting the devil. And listen, I just bring up that subject matter because it's just so prevalent in our culture today. But there's so much that's so prevalent in our culture today. Is there not that rages against God? Draw near to God, resist the devil. And then notice verse 8. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And this is what we're going to talk about now. And then the Lord willing, next week we're going to look at cleansing our hands. Now what's amazing in this is that the Lord wants to be near to us. That's just amazing to me because there's times I don't even want to be near to myself and I don't want to be around anybody else. The truth of the matter. But God created us to be near to us, to fellowship with us. Adam walked with God in the garden. Enoch walked with God and God took him. Noah walked with God, and to this day, it's God's desire to fellowship with you, with mankind. Acts 17, 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being it's his desire that we grope for him as he calls us into fellowship with him notice first corinthians 1 9 god is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son jesus christ our lord and let me ask you this what do you think about during the day what's the center of your thoughts during the day is it the lord Listen, his thoughts towards us are continual and constant. Psalm 139, 17, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God, how great the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand when I awake. I am still with you. Listen, God thinks about you and you and you and you and me continually. You're like, how can he do that? Well, he's God. (laughs) He can multitask. But his thoughts towards us outnumber the sounds of the sea. He desires to be near to you. Now again, we'll see in a minute. That, that, the basis of that is truth. He wants to be near to us in truth. We're called here to draw near to God. He'll draw near to us. So he wants to be near to us, yet we're told to draw near to him. So this clearly shows that the breach and fellowship is not on his end. It's on our end. And again, going back there in the garden, man said, I'll be my own God. 
He said, I'm going from dirt to deity. I don't need you, God. Again, it's a commentary on how stupid pride makes us. And listen, and our sin, which again, when that provision is made for it willfully, he calls it spiritual adultery, our love for the world, our pride, we push them away. We're living in a world that's pushing away the Lord. We're living in a world that does not want to be governed by the word of God, but wants to do as thou wilt. Again, we've talked about that. That model of Satanism. I'll do what I want, when I want to do it. I'm not going to be subjected to God or the Word of God. Philippians 3.18, For many walk of whom I told you often, and now even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And man, we're living in a world where there are so many shameful things that men don't just practice but they glory in. So many things that are just downright abominations that even in generations past, at least people did it in the darkness because they knew it was wrong, but today it's ushered out and it is glorified and it's put forth as normal. And if you say that's wrong, all of a sudden you're an Adolf Hitler for saying that. Marriage is between a man and a woman. You, Hitler. What? Even nature tells us that's the only way that it works. But they glory in their shame. Their minds aren't set on God, but on carnal things, appealing the flesh, whatever the flesh is to do. They say, I'm going to do that. So men have breached the fellowship. That's where we were before we came to Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.11, therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and a stranger from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's where we were. In our rebellion, we were aliens, we were strangers, we had no hope, we were without God. But notice verse 13, but now, isn't that good? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, aliens, strangers, no hope, without God. And it's important that we know this because in man's rebellion today, There's a lie going around saying, you know, it's either like this, you are God or God is everywhere and in everything, regardless. Before you came to Christ, you were without God. I was without God. God did not dwell within us. But this lie is going around that's in direct rebellion against God's word and being promoted and accepted and put forth in so many arenas that it's a lie that if people believe it's going to damn souls to hell. I shared it often. I'll share it again. Listen, I would say in the last 10 years, the three Christian books, none of them are Christian, 
that have sold the most and have been the most popular all say that God is everywhere and in everything. The purpose-driven life, Jesus calling in the shack, all have that lie in them. God's, ev- er- God's everywhere and in everything. The last one's about to become a movie. That's a lie saying you don't need Jesus. God's already in you. It's a lie of the garden. And someone said, well, I read that. I thought there were some good things in there. And maybe because you looked at it from a sound theological viewpoint, you have some, you've been blessed with some good Bible training. You know what? You were interpreting it through truth versus seeing it for what it is. But let me tell you, when the wolf comes, he does not come and say, ooh, I'm the wolf. He hides as a sheep. But just rebellion against man, against God. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off and been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, by His grace. So we've been brought near, but again, but when we walk in the ways of the world, when we love the world, when we're rebelling against God, when we say, listen, yeah, this stuff doesn't line up biblically, but I'm going to make provision for it anyway, that's rebellion against God. These things grieve and quench the Holy Spirit and they push away the Lord. 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we're saying I have fellowship with the Lord, but I practice darkness. These things we're talking about, we're lying. We're not walking in the truth. We're in a place again where we are being fond of the world and God says you're making yourself an enemy of me. I love you so much, so I'm going to take you to the woodshed to correct you. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit. Well, how do we quench the spirit? He says, do not despise prophecy. So if you despise God's word, you're quenching the spirit. Test all things. If you don't want to test all things by the word of God, you're going to quench the spirit. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And listen, when we push him away in our pride, again, he's opposed to us, and that's not good. In his grace, again, he chastises us. Listen to Hebrews 12, 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, Listen, the Lord doesn't use modern disciplining techniques. He doesn't say, and he gives a timeout. He says, he scorches. I don't want to be scorched by the Lord. Listen, what's even more frightening, though, is if in your walking in that rebellion, there's no scourging. I think there's a lot of false converts today that worship a different Christ, adhere to a different word, There's no scourging there because they're not his sons and they think that they're fine. And I think that's probably the worst place in the world to be. I think you're better off in some crack house somewhere. You're better off with a heroin needle because at least there you know you're a sinner who needs a savior. Listen to verse 7. If you endure chastening, chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? 
But, you're, but if you're without chastening, of which you have become partakers, then you're illegitimate and not sons. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you're truly born again, and you're walking in rebellion and pride, and listen, all you got to do is really step back and check yourself to see if you are or not. If you have a rebellion against God's word and you profess Christ, there should be a chastening going on in your life. Listen, there should be a correction going on. If that's not there, the Bible is saying it's because you're not his son or daughter. You've never really put faith in him in the first place. And then when he's opposed to us, listen, there's not going to be fruit and empowerment. Our prayers are going to be inept. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. When he's opposed to us, listen, the fruits of the Spirit of God aren't going to be there. There's going to be a lack of joy, a lack of real love, a lack of gentleness, a lack of self-control. And there's going to be a lack of power. God is not going to empower rebellion. I know there's a lot of things that get built in the name of Jesus that Jesus has nothing to do with. Again, that Laodicean church says we're rich and we're, you know, we have need of nothing. Meanwhile, Jesus is on the outside there. I don't want to be part of something like that. How disappointing to build the kingdom of God with your own hand when really it's just the kingdom of man. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, don't you? Bearing fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that happens when we humble our hearts and we yield to Him in His Word and we acknowledge, you are Lord, I am not. Now again here, it says to draw near. Talking to the believer here. Draw near, it means to approach. To be at hand. And listen, that enemy who works so hard to lie to us. Our own heart does that so well at times in the world. How many times have you been in that place where you're in rebellion, you come to that place of humbling your heart, and then there's a voice that says, but you can't come to God because of all the stuff you've been doing. You can't draw near to Him. Maybe some of you are in that place this morning. Maybe upon even hearing these things on sin and so forth, you're like, man, I'm in that place. It says to draw near to Him, but I can. I'm not worthy. And guess what? You're not, and neither am I, even on our best day. But God invites us to, and we can. Why? Because of Him and what He's done for us. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Isn't that amazing? God sympathizes with our weakness. He knows we are but dirt, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The Bible says draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And we can draw near because of Jesus Christ shed blood. That's how we can come boldly. Because Jesus paid the price. And the beautiful thing is, even in our rebellion, he stands and he knocks and he yearns for us to humble our hearts and draw near to him. How many times when we're offended by somebody, we're like, well, you know what, I'll never talk to you again. Oh, none of us here, right? Oh, not me.
But the Lord stands and knocks. Again, we've looked at it multiple times in the last few weeks, but Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And that is being spoken to that Laodicean church that mixed man's philosophies with God's word that says I'm rich and yet God says you're naked, poor and blind and so forth. I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to chastise you. But all the while I'm knocking on the door saying open the door. How do you open your, the door? You humble your heart. You yield to the word of God. You say, Lord, I surrender these things to you. You say, Lord, I'm, I'm practicing these things that I, I, I want to stop, but I can't stop. I need your help. Help me, Lord, and he'll meet you where you're at. Matthew eleven twenty eight. what a beautiful passage. If you're not familiar with the get, come to me all you who labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does not, does not, does not that sound good? Rest for your souls. You want rest in your soul? Quit striving and yield to the Lord. Humble your heart before Him. Boy, it makes things so much easier. And again, and notice in all of it, God calls, but He doesn't force, though again, in His godly jealousy and His love for us, He will chastise us to draw near. And listen, there's so many encouragements. Read a few more verses here. Psalm, 30, Psalm 73, 27, For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. That's reason to draw near, right? Those far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. That kind of goes in line with what we're looking at here. But verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. And then listen to Hosea 6.1. Maybe you're in a place where you've been in rebellion against him. You've been kicking against the goads. You haven't been resisting the enemy. You're not, you know, yielding to him, but you're saying, I, I, I want to. I'm, I'm going to humble my heart before the Lord. It's time to draw near to him. Listen to Hosea 6.1. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he is torn, but he will heal us. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Isn't that awesome? He'll heal, bind, revive, raise. But again, listen, we got to draw near to him in truth. Not on our terms, it's his. Being truthful with him where we are and truthful according to the scripture. Psalm 145, 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him to all who call upon him in truth. We've got to be truthful. And Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. Again, according to what God's word says, not the latest wind of doctrine blowing in that contradicts the scriptures. And again, there is so much of that today. 
so much of a liberal, rebellious, I'll say it, progressive, social justice mindset that spits in the face of God and people mix it in with a little bit of truth and say, we got Christianity here and it's nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort at all. When I see women who profess to be Christians marching for the right to abort their baby, that's not truth. And listen, I'll take it a step further. That's not even feminism because 30 million women have been murdered. It's a contradiction. Truth is saying, I'm going to walk according to what you say is true. To what the scriptures say. To what God who made us said is right and what's wrong. I want to yield to that. Not according to the latest twist or fudging of the books to make it more palatable to men that don't want to bend knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now listen, this is not God taking away from your life. It's Him giving you life because in sin and rebellion, there is death there. Now again, the beautiful thing in all of this is our God forgives and He restores and He washes and all these things. I know it firsthand, he's forgiven me of so much in my rebellion. Listen, so many of these things I talk about, I've participated in rebellion against God Almighty. Look, the truth of the matter, it's a room full of sinners, is it not? But we've been washed by him, saved by his grace. We want to continue in his grace, don't we? Don't you want the same grace to save you, to have its divine influence over you in your life? Why would we say, forgive me of my sin, but I want to go back and live in the graveyard where there's death? But there's acceptance there. I don't get called Hitler there. Well, listen, Jesus said, rejoice in the day when your name is cast out as evil for his sake. Leap and rejoice. Great is your reward in heaven. It's time for us to start taking on that mindset. In most countries around the world, Christians are hated. And several of them, they're beheaded. And we're all offended because all of a sudden, you know, we're called a name because we say, you know what, this is what God's word says. Oh, I'm having a meltdown. Someone said I'm intolerant. We need to thicken our skin. For centuries, Christians have been beheaded. And we're all bent out of shape when someone calls us a bigot in their ignorance. And in the rebellion against God. We got to come to him in truth. And we need to come today. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will, listen to this, for he will abundantly pardon. Is that not awesome? Let's stand up and pray. Ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for communion. Heavenly Father, indeed, we bless you. We praise you this day. We thank you that you are on the throne and you are high above all. 
We thank you, Lord, that even in our rebellion, Lord, you sent your son to die for our sins. And Jesus, we thank you that you willingly came. Oh, Lord, help us to be found a people submitted to you, resisting the devil. Let us be found a people drawing near to you daily. And absolutely, we need your help in that. Grant us grace upon grace, Lord, because we can do nothing on our own. Can we say amen to that this morning? Listen, if you haven't called upon the name of Christ Jesus, you've heard the gospel today. Gospel means good news. Listen, there's been bad news that's been talked about today. Some people don't want to talk about bad news, but we need to deal, deal in truths. And the truth of the matter is we're sinners separated from God in our rebellion, condemned and under His wrath. The good news is that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, took the wrath through us upon Himself, defeated sin, death, and Satan when He rose from the grave. And if a man or woman would humble their hearts, turn from serving the God of their belly to put their faith in Jesus Christ, that's what repentance is. The Lord will save you. He will cleanse you. He will wash you. If you don't know Him, today is a day of salvation. It is time to humble your heart and acknowledge your Lord. Because let me tell you, if you walk out of this place and reject Him, you continue to walk in that, it will be a decision that you regret for all of eternity. Lord, we want to turn our attention to the communion table. We pray, Lord, that you will bless this to our bodies. As we talk about communion, Lord, give us ears to hear that we would partake in remembrance of you. Lord, let us close here well, worshiping you, God, as the body of Christ here, Lord, doing it in one accord. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. The ushers are going to come up and they're going to pass out communion. Once you get that in your hands, you can partake as you're led by the Lord. But it's important that we partake in remembrance. And so as you hold that bread in your hands, remember, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. His body was broken for us. As you hold that bread in your hands, remember what Jesus did for you. And eat it in remembrance of him. And then that cup, it's in remembrance of his shed blood. It's the cup of the new covenant. We talked about that this morning. Isn't it good to know that through faith in Jesus, you're covered by the life of Jesus Christ. Positionally, you are right with God through what Christ has done for you. I want to remember that continually. And as you drink this morning, remember that Jesus has shed his blood for you. He said in doing this, we proclaim his death until he comes. And listen, you can only come if you're alive. And indeed, he rose from the grave and he is coming soon. So let's partake again in remembrance of him, as well as with a heart that is worthy of the call of Christ. And as he has forgiven us, let's forgive others. And as he died for our sins, if there's things we need to lay down before him, let's do that this morning. So let's continue in worship and in partaking in a manner that's glorifying to Him.
is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving sees my
Hey, the altar will be up here if you like to come up and pray with someone. Some prayer counselors will be up here. If you gave your life to the Lord today, I can't encourage you enough to come up and pray with one of these folks. We want to put a Bible in your hands and just encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. So, hey, God bless. Have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ.